What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. We want to talk now with a former Fed official who sees some issues with the Fed becoming so data dependent and even issuing some vacuous FOMC statements. I'm referring to Charles Plosser. Charlie is former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. Thanks for taking some time. Great to be with you, Kathleen. So the Fed uh, not only didn't give us a hint like, oh, we're going to raise rates in July or September, Janet Yellen uh, and the release of the dots showing that even f- even fewer Fed officials are expecting two rate hikes this year sounded very dovish. Are they on the right track, Charlie? Well, I think there's a lot. There's a, there's a, they're obviously very nervous, I guess that's what I, one way to put it. And whether they're on the right track, I don't think anybody really knows for sure. But I found it striking in her uh, uh, statements in, at the press conference that um, she said, you know, we really shouldn't be uh, – people shouldn't overreact to one month's labor report number. It, you know, these numbers get revised and they get changed and we don't know what they mean and we shouldn't be so data dependent that we react to one month's, one month's number. But my, my reaction is that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. They reacted to one month's bad number in the labor market. And, and you know, the previous month, um, employment grew by 120, 130,000, which actually is not bad. That's about where you expect it to be to maintain you know, maintain the employment base, given the population growth and so forth and so on. So uh, it's really one number they're reacting to. And I find I find that disturbing um, and more evidence that one of the problems the FOMC has and has had had for and has had for a long time, I might add, is this very short term focus uh, about um, about the data. And it's one thing to be data dependent. It's the it's another thing to be whipsawed by numbers that bounce around a lot, and and that this part that's the part that kind of concerns me. I think that in terms of gradual rate increases, I think that's still what they'd like to like to see. And I, I also would remind the market that you know those dots have come down. I everybody agrees with that, but that but but by the way, just because because they can come down, they can go back up again, and so. Um, uh, Janet did emphasize quite emphatically that the, that there's there's a lot of uncertainty about the path of the economy and 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 to sort of take the paths or take the words of the Fed about or implications about what they think is going to happen over the next year or six months or a year, you know, it's uh, you, you got to take that all with mm-hmm. a big grain of salt because look because look what's happened. But it, can just, it just needs to go the other way. Charles Plosser, uh, as co-author of Trends and Random Walks in Macroeconomic Time Series, where are we in the business cycle? And, and tell us if you Boy, can. Well, you've been reading some ancient history, haven't you? <laughs> well, you wrote it, so I read it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> So tell us if, if there are these, are there permanent shocks that have affected uh, GDP that we I- don't know about? 
Well, I think we do know about them. I think what we've seen, particularly in this recession, more dramatically than we've seen in many of the of a post certainly the post war era, is um, is a, a dramatic shock to the economy that has reduced product appears to reduce productivity, and maybe even the rate of growth of productivity. And if you look at the CBO's estimates of potential output every year, they just mark it down lower and lower and lower. And what that reflects is the fact that, um, you know, measures of potential output are sort of calculated looking backwards. <laughs> and so uh, what they're doing is they're incorporating the evidence that this shock to the economy had some permanent long-run effects to it, uh, to the economy. And that's why they've ended up gradually keep lowering potential output. And so now there's really, in terms of potential output, there's not much of a gap left anymore. And that's consistent with the people who argue even the FOMC has argued, look, you know, where we are in, in terms of employment, um, we can argue whether we're at full employment or not. Nobody really knows. But most people agree we're pretty close. And so, um, so yeah, I think there are some permanent, have been some permanent or at least very persistent mm-hmm. shocks that have hit the economy. Well, and of course, that's and one you've re- got to recognize that. One reason why inflation stays low, I guess you could say, once inflation moves lower or higher, it's hard to move it. But Charlie, I want to know what you think about negative interest rates, because it's not just the ECB buying bonds and helping to push a lot of European bond yields lower. It's not just the mega Japan going negative in January. It seems like... You know, investors, traders are now pushing more and more bonds into negative territory. Is there a danger of some kind of negative feedback loop, a sentiment shift, some kind of expectation that works against what central banks want to do, which is boost the economy and create a little price pressure? Well, I think I think there's a lot we don't know about that. I and mean, I think the ventures into negative interest rates, I have, I have a lot of um, doubts about. I think if you look at the the countries that have done it, particularly the bigger countries, and I want to emphasize that is the ECB and, and, um, and Japan, I think places like Switzerland, Sweden are a little different because they're so small and so open economies. But in those two big economies, from my perspective, I don't see much evidence that they're doing what people want them to do, that they're, that they're accomplishing very much. Um, and so I think, uh, so if they're not accomplishing the kind of boost in either inflation or real economic growth, then what are, what are going to be the unintended consequences of that? I, I think these are very risky policies for the monetary authorities to engage in. They are, um, yes, they have some, quote, theory behind them, but I'm, I'm very dubious and wary of these sort of adventures into um, uh, negative interest rates, particularly as a policy matter. I think it's very, very risky. Thank you very much. Charles Plosser, former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. You're listening to Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of visit bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more